This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hey, everybody, and welcome to 2021. And welcome to the Limit Up podcast, the trading podcast. We went back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> we would call it a trading podcast or the trading podcast, but we're going to be bold and we're going to say the trading podcast, uh, especially the one that's presented by Top Step. I'm Jack Pelzer, joined by Dan Hodgman. Dan, how you doing? Jack, I'm doing all right. Uh, just trying to get back into the swing of things. Enjoyed a couple of weeks off of uh, doing really anything productive and now trying to have to be a uh, effective member of society once again. Yeah, I was going to say, you had a bit of a rough weekend, as I understand it. Uh, it's an understatement. Uh, a little backstory. I've spent the last three months rebuilding my entire snowmobile after I uh, blew up the motor last year on my last ride of the year. Saturday morning, I got it out for the first time this year. And uh, a couple hours into my day, I totally wrecked the thing and uh, sent my body flying about 100 yards. You have a uh, flexible Gumby sort of body, right? I mean, (laughs) I don't know if that's the word. Maybe used to be, um, but as time's gone on, man, I'm swollen and bruised from the neck down. Yeah, I, on the other hand, uh, hurt my back on a golf simulator, so uh, (laughs) that's kind of where we're standing. So uh, we'll kind of introduce first. uh, This year, we're kind of starting this first quarter, going back to trader development, and we thought we'd talk today about the best resources for people that are looking to get started trading and kind of just generally where to start as well. And I think what we're going to talk about is also going to be beneficial to people that are at the intermediate level or people have been doing it for years because I always find myself going back and you can never know enough about this stuff. Without a doubt. I still, you know, when it comes to options pricing, I still go back to the first book I was given. I still go back to my original mentors. Hey, what did we talk about that one time? I remember we were talking about X, Y, Z. Can we, can you recover that again for me? Um, You got to go back. doesn't matter how long you've been doing this. You got to kind of get back to the basics sometimes. Right. Because, the environment will always change. I mean, right now we had uh, the worst first day of the year in stocks since the dot-com bubble. Uh, we have a lot of uncertainty, which will probably be resolved in the U.S. Senate by the time you're listening to this. We're right. recording. Yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday, so <laughs> I won't make any grand predictions about that. But there's a lot of catalyst for volatility going forward. On that first day, we saw the, um, I think the VIX jump, like, well, 23% at one point or something like that. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. And a lot of what people had priced in about sort of the future and the government uh, started to get less certain. And that's why it's so important to kind of go back to your fundamentals and make sure that you know how to react to really any scenario you find yourself in. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, it, you know, we're kind of in a weird situation, right? Where, you know, everyone's just saying, let's get through 2020. Well, we got through 2020, but nothing's changed. Still uncertainty when it comes to the political field, still uncertainty uh, when it comes to this you know, virus. Obviously, we have the vaccines are out. Uh, people are getting vaccinated, but you know, there's an uncertainty when it comes to guys like you and I, how, when we're going to be able to get that vaccine. Um, how effective is it going to be? We're already hearing about another strain um, in the UK. So you know, still a lot of uncertainty ahead of us. Yeah. As a uh, 
33-year-old man with no pre-existing conditions besides uh, my general sedentary lifestyle who can <laughs> work from home relatively easily. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be the last person in the United States to get this vaccine. That makes two of us. I uh, I think I have, uh, I'm going to have a hard time getting it. Well, all you traders out there, uh, just because the vaccine distribution board uh, doesn't consider you essential doesn't mean we don't consider you essential <laughs> or myself. You got to have that self-esteem. So I think we should go back to kind of the start. Let's when, do it. Yeah. We're going to go back in the day. So back in the day, how you learned to trade was you needed to know someone and then you got involved. It was a club, right? There weren't the resources that there are now. You had somebody, usually an uncle or your dad, in your case, Dan, who yeah. worked at the Board of Trade or something like that. And then you got an opportunity to clerk for them. And then that's how you learned how to trade. Without a doubt. I don't think, you know, if you go back 20 years to anyone that got into the industry, the only way they got into this is it starts with, so I know a guy that's down the street from me. Um, that gave me a chance to check trades for him, to be a runner and bring lunch. I mean, that's the start that everyone got. You you had to know someone. There was no job board outside the board of trade where you could just, you know, post your resume or look for a phone call. You had to know someone. Right. And they would be sort of your mentor. And then that's how you would get your uh, feet wet. Is that is that how that phrase goes? Get your feet wet? Yeah. Dip your toes in, dip, get your feet your a little wet. In. All right. Perfect. So... Uh, that is the way that it used to be done, but the type of trading uh, by and large that people were learning then was totally different than what you see now. Uh, right. Without a doubt. Stuff on the floor, a lot of uh, well, what we call speculation was different. It was more market making. I wasn't there, but from what I've heard, it's more market making activity, which is not the stuff that you're going to be doing as a retail trader. Without a doubt. So there's the difference from now and then. Because if you were in the pit, your job was to give a bid and an offer on anything that came into the pit. Um, if you were not making markets, you were not getting fills. So if a broker, if you weren't quoting the broker every time you brought something in, more than likely, um, if you know there was a tie between who put their hand up for that 500 lot, um, you're not getting picked. Uh, so you had to quote the market. That was your job to be a liquidity provider. Now... No one knows who's clicking what. Um, you can sit back, wait for what you want instead of having, because we had to trade everything that came into the pit. If it came in, you had to trade it. You had to get on the order. And then you'd have to decide, okay, now that I'm on this order, what can I do with this to make money? So we'll give an example of this. If you're listening and you may not even be familiar with the idea of, uh, to quote someone, a market. So we'll do a real world thing. I have a... Uh, a Subaru Crosstrek, Dan. It's a 2018. It's got 24,000 miles on it. Quote me a market for my Subaru. Uh, I'm going to quote you 1618. 1618. Uh, so 16,000 if I'm buying it and 18,000 if I'm selling it. And what that means in that case is Dan has given me the option to buy or sell it and he has to take whichever I choose to do with it. He doesn't know which way I'm going to go with it. Right. I could be trying to buy or sell. I, I could need two Subarus. I guess right. so if you're trying to buy, well, what it is, is if you're trying to buy, so someone's going to come in and go, all right, I got a 2018 Subaru. What's my market? And a guy's going to go 1618. Um, they're going to try and create a little bit of a spread because they want to have some money left on the table if they have to do something with it. So they're going to create a spread. 
And the spread is the difference between the bid and the offer. When you look at the markets these days, like when you look at a dome, more often than that, most markets are, you know, quarter tick apart. I mean, there's no gaps. Um, so it's like 16, 17, um, if we're moving in thousand, uh, thousand dollar increments here. Um, so that's the spread. And then when you give that quote, you're saying, okay, if I'm going to buy this from you, I'm paying less, but if I'm selling it to you, you're paying more than I'm willing to pay. Um, so, so if Jack comes in with that quote of his, uh, Subaru Crosstrek and, uh, he likes the 16, 18, uh, bid and offer. And he says, all right, I'm selling. So if he's selling, I'm buying it for 16. And if he says I'm buying it, I'm selling it to him for 18. Right. And the idea is that you can then turn around as a market maker and then buy it lower or sell it higher. And this is really what obviously markets all come back to. But sometimes I think that it's easy to forget that it's no different than that. When you're trading a crude oil feature, you are essentially going out there and um, well, we're not quoting like market makers, but it, the, the process is the same. Mm-hmm. I go out and give two prices for a for a thousand barrels of oil in a certain month. Yep, and it's the, it's the same process. Now everything's aggregated, so this is how things have kind of changed since then. Now there's no uh, a lot of things that work market making. Once again, I wasn't there, but you could bully people. You had limited access. It wasn't democratized to the whole world. It was different, right? Yeah. It was uh, not, you know, there weren't publicly listed prices of things. So if you need, knew a guy that needed to get out of something, if you had an it, it, that some people, that was an edge. They kind of paid attention to what was being traded. They knew who was holding what. And if the market goes away, you know, a guy's trying to get out of something. You You can adjust the market that you're quoting him, especially if you're the only one willing to quote him. And it's sort of the difference between real life poker and computer poker, right? Right. I mean, you could read emotions on people or try and figure that out and you saw them face to face. Now you kind of have to make those decisions just based on what they're doing with the cards. Exactly. And that's what makes it a lot harder now. Now, as a retail trader, you're not going to make, I at least hope not, go into the extremely liquid futures market, like say uh, equity futures or oil futures, and try and quote markets that way because there are a lot of people doing that, a lot of computers, a lot of giant funds, a lot of places with more information, um, and the spreads are very narrow. You want to seek those markets out, as a matter of fact. So we've kind of transitioned to now where the model is more you're taking directional trades. Right. So the transition that has happened is the market is not created of 50 people quoting. The market's created by computer systems that are um, essentially trying to be what are called HFT, high frequency trading or uh, algo trading or scalping trades. So a lot of times when, when computers got introduced, one of the biggest uh, profitable trades for a decent amount of time was call it, called an ARB. Um, so you'd buy it in the pit, you'd sell it on the screen or you sell it on the screen and you'd buy it in the pit or vice versa. You'd flip it around and you're trying to make that edge and you're making a couple ticks every time you did that. Eventually we had to kind of deviate from that. Those guys that were 
pointing and clicking all day long as quickly as possible on the screens, they started to create the market on the screen versus having people stand in the pit and creating the market there. So then they started creating this on screens. They realized it was working and they were picking up one tick. Now there's computer systems trading thousands upon hundreds of thousands of contracts every single day, buying one, selling one, buying one, selling one, buying one, selling one, because it can go so fast. They can put place bid and offers as that market moves, whether it's moving a tick up or a tick down. They can create those. As the retail side, this is where we can start to take advantage of things. We can sit back pay attention to order flow, pay attention to volume, understanding where markets are being traded at and where we're going to find things like support and resistance and sit in a trade for a little bit of time. Let them develop and allow those computers to tell us where it's going to go. Right. So here's where we stand now in our little journey through trading, right? So the bad news is there's never been more competition. The competition is extremely stiff. And I've used this analogy before is trading is one of the few activities where if you go and start as a beginner and you're trading live money, you're immediately against major league competition. Yep. There's no T-ball, no minor leagues. You're immediately against uh, the Goldman Sachs trading desk. That's the bad news. The good news is what we talked about earlier, there's no longer, the information is not partitioned. You don't have to know someone. There's a ton of free information out there to educate yourself and bring yourself up to a level where you can have some success in the markets. It's a great point. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're going to hit on today. So we're doing sort of a first quarter theme here of trader development. So we want to talk about some of the ways you can improve your trading and some of the tools that you can use to do that. We get a lot of questions about what you should be looking at right when you start. And we went over it on the Coach's Playbook, uh, which is a YouTube live show we do on Tuesdays at 1130 Central. And Make sure you come join us. Yeah, come join us. You can ask questions. It's uh, It's fun if you're into that thing. I, I don't know if it's fun for everyone, but... You're listening to this, so it's fun for you, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we talked about some of this stuff. We'll review and kind of expand on it a little bit, but we wanted to start talking about resources you could use. Now, trading itself, people get into these factions, uh, sort of like the sharks and the jets when it comes to, you know, do you trade? What do you trade becomes an identity where it's, do you trade Forex futures? The trade's more or less the same, whether you're trading Subarus or E-minis, right? Right. The lessons are there, but there is some specialized information for each. So we talk about first, if you're into futures trading, where I would start is go straight to the source and check out the CME, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange website, because they have tons of information there on the contract specifics. And listen, if you're not even to the level where you don't even know what a future is, they can start you at the very bottom with educational courses that explain what a future is. They have intermediate stuff, advanced stuff. Um, as I said today, I was a professional futures trader for seven years and left for a few years. And when I came back to Top Step, I went back through some of those courses just to make sure that I knew what was going on. Absolutely. You have to go through that stuff. There's, And Jack mentioned it in the very beginning, You know, whether you've been at this for 15 or 20 years, or you're just getting started. Doesn't really matter. The concepts of 
the market and the auction place don't change. Um, you know, the strategy that you were using 15 years ago is not working to today. My strategy I was using five years ago doesn't work today. My strategy I was using a year ago has completely changed. Um, so you always have to be, you have to be a student 100% of your time in this industry. At no point do you know enough. Um, it's a matter of how are you going to use the knowledge that you've retained um, to create a system for you to trade within. For me, I have really simplified things this year because the markets have been moderately directional. They've given me opportunities. I've cut back number of contracts that I'm trading and I've cut back number of trades I'm making in a week drastically and basing my trades off of very simple levels that I've defined. Um, I'm no longer looking at too much. I've gotten less stuff on my charts from VWAP, some moving averages, and uh, some volume profile, and that is it. Yeah, less could be more that way. And that's that's what the uh, algorithms a lot of times do, too, is you'd be shocked um, as some of the uh, CTAs and stuff like that, that that's the same stuff they're looking at because that's it's rooted in human psychology, and that's the way it tends to work. Yep. Yeah, so... You go to the CME website for doing futures. Uh, you can check out, we have a whole series on uh, our Top Step blog that was done by John Doherty about, uh, I think it's like 16 blogs on technical analysis, which is once you kind of know the products and kind of the pro, uh, market profile is a specific term. I'm talking more about the, the uh, contours of the market. That's a good place mm-hmm. to go. And Dan, on the flip side, uh, you talked about baby pips today if you're looking for Forex. Absolutely. You know, Forex is a great place to, or Baby Pips, I should say, is a great location to start looking into Forex stuff. They discuss a lot of fundamentals. There's classes on there. There's quizzes. There's so much free content there. And I highly recommend checking it out, whether it's Forex or futures. Um, any sort of outright trading is going to help. Uh, that website's going to help you with your trading. Yeah. A uh, third place, if you want to go a little bit old school, I would say cover your bases in something like the CME or uh, Baby Pips. But you can still, we talked about how it used to be kind of exclusive to get mentors and stuff like that. You can learn if you have someone that you know and trust that trades, talk to them. There's still ways to learn that way. I, I guess what I want people to avoid is not trusting just random people on the internet and we're not random people on the internet we're your friends exactly Um, well like to caveat onto that too something to add um kind of dig into this person learn about their trading because if they were a successful pit trader there were tons of them that could not go from pit to screens um if you had if they could not transition from pit to screen then take that knowledge from the pit of like what they were doing and how they were managing risk um, and then kind of implement that into your screen trading, but always be careful of that stuff because it was such a, it's a, such a transition. It took every trader that was successful at doing it. It took years for them to do. Yeah. It's a completely different ball game and exactly. You need to learn from lacrosse to hockey, um, similar concept, but different. Well, it's like going from lacrosse to video game hockey, right? I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but they're still trying to like check the screen, you know, like literally hit the screen right. with an elbow. Um, that's kind of how it works. You need to be willing to adapt. And I think it, 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 adapting in general is part of just being open to ideas and doing research, something that in everything you do, whether you're trading or investing or 
anything you're going to dedicate your time to is just doing due diligence on it. Um, you don't get sucked in. There's a lot of, I would say what not to do is just to dive in right away and pay a bunch of money to, I don't know, someone you just happen to see screaming at you in a YouTube pre-scroll ad or something like that. Yes. Be cautious. <laughs> yes. Just be oh, cautious. Oh, I thought you were telling me to be cautious. Like, I'm going <laughs> to offend. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not you. I'm talking to people that clicking on those ones. Yeah, I'm sure there's some great educators out there. Actually, I know from that there are. There are. Um, but there's also those that aren't. Uh, pro tip, especially in Forex. Yes. Yes. If they're if they have an Instagram ad that's popping up of them with hundred dollar bills sitting on a Lamborghini, I'd say let's uh, steer clear of that one. Yeah, they they, they use the other half of that money to uh, they borrowed all the money and then they rented the Lamborghini. They rented the Lamborghini. That's that's our whole whole thing here with the new year and hopefully the new live it up. We're gonna I guess try and <laughs> be as straightforward about the industry as possible. Uh, just to dive into that for one second before we go on, in case people are starting. Forex is fine to trade. There's nothing wrong with trading Forex, but the fact I love that it, it. yeah, I mean, I, I don't trade it as much, but people that trade it love it. And it's, it's decentralized in that, you know, you trade futures in the United States, you're pretty much trading everything through the CME. It's very regulated. Um, the Forex, not always so much. And it, it they are just trying to kind of recruit as many people as possible to these exchanges. And you just got to be careful of that sort of thing. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind too, if you're not going to trade with top step uh, and going through the trading combine and the Forex side, when you are opening up a brokerage account with any sort of Forex, um, take a look at what kind of brokerage there are. They are, there are a couple different kinds of brokerage. And I think the, the best one are the straight throughs. Um, so essentially all they're doing is they're taking the, cause the, it's not just a standard exchange like the CME where it all goes to one place. Um, the brokerage is taking in your order saying in a straight through brokerage, uh, STB, they're taking your order and they're putting it to write to someone else. Um, they are not filling other sides of the orders. Then there are some brokerages that are a hundred percent just going to fill the other side. And then there are some that where it gets really sketchy is they get to pick and choose which ones they want to hold and don't hold. And so then they start betting against you. Um, so just be cognizant of that. Make sure you're doing your due diligence, not just with your educators, but the brokerages you're using. Um, there are tons of them out there. Um, and the FX side, they're all different exchanges. Like Jack said, unregulated. Um, they don't have any legal um, ramifications if they're giving you false information about what's happening within that marketplace, um, where the futures are so regulated by the SEC, CFTC, um, that if they lied about one contract difference in volume, they would get in trouble um, in the future side. So two different things. Some people love trading unregulated, which is totally fine. And then some prefer regulation. I I think I like, I'm indifferent, I guess. Um, you know, I if you have to, um, you're responsible for losses at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I personally would never trade like penny stocks. I mean, I think that, I'm willing to go unregulated to a certain extent. And this is just me. Everyone has a different risk, to risk tolerance. But like, I think, I don't think I can, there's a point where the counterparty risk would play in. Not anything that I have traded, but where if I thought there was a realistic possibility that 
I was going to get screwed for like nothing besides uh, just what they were doing. That would be a problem. But that's I've, I've heard stories about guys that traded trade these um, Texas oils and stuff that are unregulated. And I've heard stories about them being in a position they're long and the market's going against them. So they'll call a buddy at a plant and tell them, hey, break something at the plant really quick and I'll give you a cut um, so that the market goes back up and they can make money. I mean, I've heard some pretty sketchy things like that. Highly illegal, whether regulated or not, uh, but in a regulated market, chances of that happening are much slimmer. Absolutely. So the other thing, uh, beyond just getting your bearings as far as the products and what you want to trade and kind of how to do that, you need to get the right mindset going in, and that, that might even be more important. So I would recommend, I was saying on Coach's Playbook today, first week, uh, I was trading at the prop shop. They gave me, I think I have the treasury book or somewhere, but they gave me a reminiscence of a stock operator, which is- You said it better this time on the, than on the uh, playbook. Well, because you corrected me and I, <laughs> I remember it now. It doesn't like, I guess I've never read the word reminiscence. God, now I can't say it. Reminiscence of a stock operator. And, uh, they also so so that that's a story of Jesse Livermore, who's a famous trader in like bucket shop. It, it's a really old book. I think it takes I forget now, but I think it takes place like the turn of the twentieth century, so like nineteen hundred or something. And through that, so um, so I kind of updated it because well, two parts. It's an interesting book for the psychology of making markets, starting from the basics, stuff like that. But I also believe Jesse Livermore like lost all his money and killed himself. I think <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> so like, I, I guess he wrote the book first before that. But so I'm gonna actually suggest uh, check out Market Wizards or a book like that, which is about all the great traders that you probably may have heard of. You know, Paul Tudor Jones and um, God, I'm having a blank. It's been so long since I read that book. Who else is in there? You got. Um, Oh, I can't even remember off the top of my head. The one thing I will say, though, when you do read about these... Linda Ratchke's in there. Who Linda's in there. Um, we've done a lot with Linda. Linda's great. Um, uh, our very own Mick Ironimo used to work for her. Um, but one thing to keep in mind, you know, we read a lot about these amazing traders and things that they've done. Don't allow yourself to think that's what you're going to be. Um, you, you can't trade that way until you get to that point. So you have to trade who you are as a trader and understanding yourself. Um, so just always be cautious. Yeah, I was going to add, I just remembered another one. I believe uh, George Soros is in there as well. And, you know, it, it's more, the reason I suggest that is to study the process that these people use and the mindset that they have and the way they approach the markets rather than saying like, I'm going to make a billion dollars uh, shorting the pound, like, George Soros, sorry, did I say a million? A billion, like billion, yeah. George Soros shortened a pound because that's going to set yourself up. That's, uh, you know, like picking up, uh, uh, we, we make a lot of sports analogies in this show, so just deal with it. Uh, <laughs> it's like picking up a tennis racket for the first time and being like, I'm going to challenge Rock. I'm going to go win, win Wimbledon yeah, right now. Yeah, and then getting frustrated when you lose in the very first qualifier you play <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you pick it up okay i'm gonna win wimbledon this year and then you go to a, like the local racket club and get smoked by some 12 year old kid god damn it <laughs> <laughs> you hear a lot of you know people you get emails that you know, like i just started trading one day ago 
and I didn't look at any resources and I, I blew up my account and this is, this is stupid. It's right. like, okay. I mean, like that is not going to help you in the long run, or maybe it's not for you if that's the way you approach it. Right. Think about it in this perspective, marathon running. Um, if it's your first time or your hundredth time, you're still going about it the same way. You've got to train for months. More, a lot of, I think the training programs are like nine or 10 months, something crazy like that. So you don't just wake up and go, I'm going to go run the New York marathon right now and go out and run it. Sign up and run that day. You have to train. You have to prepare. You got to start with one mile before you get to two miles. Training is going to be the exact same way. If you're going to get into this industry, you have to be willing to put in that training, the preparation, the work ahead of time before you can just jump in and run that marathon. Right. And here's what you can do now that used to be a huge pain in the butt was you can, uh, for free, you, you can go trade on a simulator now and you can train that way using, you know, real, you might have to pay for real market data depending on the product. You're yeah. Doing. I think most of them give you a 14 day or a seven day, um, free data. And then you just pay, you can pay for amateur data and a lot of platforms have SIM, um, couple or ninja trader has a SIM account that you can use. TT has a SIM account you can use. CQG, I believe, has a SIM account you can use. Uh, tra- um, trading View. Trading um, View does. And Trade they, or yeah. top, TS Trader um, has a replay, so you can go back and start things over. So there's a ton of opportunity out there to just learn that basic fundamental of click and click and point and point and click. Excuse me. Yeah, and if if you're not finding success in a simulator as you're doing it in your training, it's probably not going to work with, it's harder with the real money. There's a lot more psychological stuff going on there that isn't there when you're firing off orders in the simulator. But I think that's sort of an invaluable way to learn. It is literally the way that you train to be a trader these days. Yeah. Great point though, too, because simulated money is not the same thing as real money. And so, Make sure no matter what you're doing, you're transitioning slowly so that you're trying to avoid the psychological effects of hitting that live money. Um, if it's one trade a day in the beginning, or if you're with trading, you know, if you trade with Top Step, you have the opportunity to go into our pro accounts um, and you've got those certain, there's different ways to go about it to help minimize that anxiety of clicking live trades because I don't care who you are. Every trade goes on. Every trade I take, that's my money on the line and I don't want to lose it, but I also have to accept that every trade I take, I have, I am risking real dollar bills of mine. Sure. And I think that, um, take a, yeah, I got to take a sip of water right here. We'll take a small two second break producer. Thank you very much. I hope this makes it into the podcast now, just so I can see how the sausage gets made. I, I just want it all unedited. <laughs> oh, so I, I was going to, we'll probably do a whole episode at some point in this chair development thing about um, the difficulties and what you can do making the transition, the trading new uh, real money from the simulator. For now, one thing that I wanted to toss back, uh, I, I, I talked about the, so my, my last piece of advice before we kind of go to 
you know, getting started in 2021 is uh, don't outpunt your coverage as long as we're doing the sports analogy. And by that, I mean, there's a real draw to get too technical too fast. So I told you earlier about the first book or one of the two books I got when I started the prop shop. Mm -hmm. The other one was uh, this textbook called the treasury bond basis. And it was, it might've well been, you know, written in Sanskrit. I came from an economics background, which by the way, none of that has anything to do with trading. I mean, it helps if you can problem solve or you're quick with numbers, but uh, you can only learn trading by doing it. Without a doubt. I mean, especially in the retail world, don't think that your education makes a difference um, of what you're educated. And obviously if you're trying to create algorithms and things is that you got to have some sort of coding background. Um, but there's still that advantage. That's the best part about retail training right now is just like back in the day with the pits in the old school way. Um, success is not measured, was never measured by how much education you had, but it was your understanding of money and risk management. And that's the same thing here today. Anyone can be good at this. Anyone can be successful. Um, it's how you manage your money, how you manage your risk and, uh, your, the, emotional strength that you have um, because there's a lot of emotions in this. Yeah. And it can sometimes lead is either because you feel it needs to be done or there's some sort of, I don't know if the word's insecurity, but thinking this is how it has to be done is people get too technical too quick where they, you know, have 30 indicators on their screen and they're talking about, you know, it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, like stochastic, you know, whodunits or whatever. And, and you're like, I have no idea I, what I you're talking about, man. Like, I have never seen this. When I started at Top Step and I started talking with a lot of our newer traders and they'd be telling me things, I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'm not good at this this job. I don't know. Maybe I don't know trading that well. And then I realized over time, well, no. That's typically a trait of a new trader is they're looking at way, way too much. Um, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. And that kind of flows into uh, sort of our conclusion here. I want to add one thing, though, really quick. Um, when you mentioned don't outpunt your coverage, um, a lot of times you hear this idea of trade X, you know, risk X percent of your account um, or different ways to go about it. Essentially, all I want to say to this is trade based off of what you have and not what you want. If you start trading what you want, you're going to outpunt your coverage every second of the day. If you have $5,000 in your account, trade small. Don't put 10 lots on because if you have 10 lots on, a 50 cent move in crude oil loses every single penny you have. And today, January 5th, crude oil is up $3 from settlement. So always, please, trade based on what you have and not what you want. Eventually, you'll get there. And and then what you want, uh, once you get to what you want, it's not enough and you'll have to continue to grow that account. If you can't sleep because of something you have on, you have too much on. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, you know, some people have different tolerances for that, but that's a good rule. So I would say that from today, your homework, if you will, would be to start small, grow it, get better and uh, see what you can learn in 2021 and have fun with it. Don't 
don't put yourself in a position where it, it feels like you're getting your teeth pulled. Every, you shouldn't be doing it if you're doing if that's what it feels like all the time. This should be something that you find uh, enjoyment in the process. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities this year, as we touched on at the beginning. And we're hoping to uh, help you along a little bit and hopefully you know, provide some entertainment. From it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, it's the beginning of the year. We have a long year ahead of us, kind of like I was saying in the beginning. There's still, you know, just because 2020 is over doesn't mean things that were going on in 2020 stop. Um, it's all going to carry over. If we look back at 2020, how many uh, massive volatility opportunities did we have? Um, you want to be there for those. I don't care what anyone says. Trading volatility is fun. Um, create some opportunity. It, you know, it, it gets you. I love the stress. I, I love the excitement. Um, so don't come out the gates this year on a low volume day and think you've got to knock it out of the park every day. Just keep chipping away. We're going to have chances this year. I can 100% guarantee with the way the last five years have gone, um, we're going to have surprises. We're going to have Vix screaming higher at some point. Um, we're going to have wild news coming out. Um, we've got a new president coming in. So it looks, um, we'll see what tomorrow brings. Um, yesterday, right. Or yesterday. Yeah. So again, now you guys all know, I don't know just yet. Um, there's a lot that's going to happen this year. Um, we're seeing crude oil right now. Crude oil had its biggest day in two months, um, based off of OPEC saying that they're not going to touch, um, touch output until February. So, Hey, See, surprises are happening. Things are going to happen. We're going to have chances. Right on. So uh, come back here next week. Tentatively, Dan, I think we're going to talk about, at least for our main topic, uh, features of bro- brokerage accounts, how to trade in brokerage accounts, open them, stuff like that. Just to, I'm excited about that one. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'll, we'll- I'll make sure to bring in a lot of information on the Forex side, too, with that one. Just so I, when I was talking about STBs and different brokerages with the FX side, I'll make sure to bring uh, a little bit more information there, some examples of each um, for our listeners as well. Right on. Well, uh, happy new year, Dan. Same to you. Right. And happy new year to all of y'all out, all of y'all, y'all, all of, all of y'all out there. There we go. <laughs> happy new year. Hope 2021 is treating you well so far. Uh, for now, that's all from the Limit Up podcast, a subsidiary of the topstep.com content department. Uh, we'll see you <laughs> next week. Have a great weekend. Namaste and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures in Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.